We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's the True Faith Newcastle United season 21-22 preview. You've got Alex Hurst, Norman Riley, Ben Wade, and we've got um, we've got Kyle back. Kyle, you've been on the show before. You was uh, you were on after the Leeds defeat. Was feels like a long time ago. Great to have you on. Hopefully, we'll have you on a few more times this season. How are you doing, mate? You good? Aye, not too bad. Uh, dreading the season, mind. I'm not, <laughs> it's um, in terms of seasons. I don't think there's been one where I've like looked to and been for just. It's kind of it's been a long summer with the takeover and lack of signings and just sheer frustration off the on and off the field when Newcastle's concerned. But uh, glad to be here, glad to be, uh, finally meet Norman Ben, but but meet yourself for the first time in person. So I not too bad, not too bad. Well, we're delighted to have you. Just remind listeners that we do have lots of extra content, Newcastle United content, on our Patreon platform. Five pound fifty a month for loads of extra Newcastle United podcasts. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube. Or indeed you listen to it and hearing that crisp audio, uh, that's paid for by the few hundred people who support us in there. So if you love what we do, please get involved. But we're going to kick right off. Norman, I'm going to come to you first. Newcastle kick off the season on Sunday. Can you summarise how you're feeling about that season? Interestingly, the last week I've um, started to feel more excited about it. Now, that is probably like muscle, muscle memory kicking in, right? Every single summer that I can recall, there's always been a point where I have got a little bit of excitement, d- despite the kind of maelstrom that, you know, envelops the club. Um, even under Sooness, I got excited. Um, under Bruce last season, it doesn't necessarily reflect the state of the club or the, or the person in charge. It's more just being a fan and that optimism. It's what ultimately keeps you gunning, right? You, you, if you didn't have that, if you were just completely flat and like, apathetic all the time, you would eventually stop and disengage and I haven't disengaged enough for for that excitement not to just kind of rear its head and last week we did a podcast and I was like oh I've got no feelings it's going to be terrible blah blah and knew that we've saying Willick on this day well today I think we've saying him more or less and um, we haven't seen him in a black and white shirt at St James yet I don't think but um the optimism has gone up because I look at the players I look at ESM Willock Wilson Miggy Dubravka and I just think you know what on my day, we're worried. So maybe we'll have a few more of those days than we had last season. But, you know, come back and ask me in a month's time how I'm feeling about the rest of the season. Well, I'll definitely do that because we do weekly podcasts and we do the paper and show. So <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll we'll get your thoughts on things. Kyle, I mean, you you just said there, uh, right at the stop of the show, how much you're not looking forward to the season. Is is, is there anything in terms of the signing or Willock, which we're going to assume for today's show, right? Because everyone says... Done deal. Personal terms done. We're going to assume he's yeah. going to be a Newcastle player by Sunday. How much? I'll ask you first question. How much does that change your anticipation for the season, if at all? It does a little bit because at the end of the day, like before Willock, there was a couple of days that maybe he wasn't going to like come to Newcastle, and it was like topsy turvy a little bit. And what we had in midfield was nothing short of like nightmarish because like you look at the, the play three man midfield five at the back. You've got Hendrick, Shelby. Hayden, like they're not. You're not like looking at that and thinking, "Oh, that's going to scale position." I, I like. I, I don't think it would scale like an under seven girls say To be honest, it's like it's often short of shambolic. There's no pace. There's no excitement. There's no creativity. It's a lazy, dogged, shite midfield. So it's like bringing in Willock. He had a really good end of the last season. He inspired a little bit in the midfield, and what actually looked like a coherent midfield with a minute. So. 
that brings it to, it brings it to a point of like with Graham Jones and the system that I had towards the end of the last season, maybe we can match that type of pace that we had and not be towards the drop to a point where Aston Villa have to keep out the relegation zone by coming back against Fulham and little things like that. But like, it, it, the optimism is, can we stay away from the drop and have a comfortable season instead of we're shitting ourselves type of season? So it's like, it's just kind of waiting in limbo to see if we get an answer with a takeover. That's what's been like for well over a season now and it's really frustrating but will it gives us that optimism of we can have a an okay season because you've got Maxman, Miggy, Wilson, Willick, Debravka as Norman said, you know, we've got we've got good players. It's just whether can Graham can the master class of Graham Jones can he outcoach the stupidity of Steve Bruce <laughs> kind of thing and that's kinda of where we're at. Can like will Steve Bruce remain like mature enough not to suck him out of spite because he'd be the t- I think he'd be the type to do that you know what I mean so it's like yeah well it gives us that, it gives us a comfort that one midfield isn't going to be completely shambolic this season but yeah it's um it's the hope that kills you I believe like obviously you, you kick in it's muscle memory and stuff like that but going into this season it's like hoping for 10th or hoping for a, a an okay season where we'll get a couple of decent results and a and a decent cup run. I mean, we've had that under Steve Bruce, right? Can you call them good cup runs? I mean, <laughs> he does, but you know, it's like, yeah, it's it's a it's one of them. It's it, I think it's going to be another long season where you're going to hear every week of the same old dread, the same old shit in the in the press conferences in particular. But hopefully, it doesn't get too toxic with the fan base because that, that for me has been the the biggest issue for for sure. Where it's like. Fans have attacked each other on Twitter and, and, and like, it's been a bit, it, it's been terrible at times, but I just hope we'll have a good enough season so it doesn't like completely implode the fan base kind of thing. No, definitely. And I think if you look at the the catastrophic performances of last season, and I'm thinking of the two Brighton results, even Spurs away, to be honest with you, before we got that fluky pen, um, Sheffield United, obviously, Brentford, obviously, you know, we're going to talk about this a little bit later on, maybe in terms of the return of fans to stadiums. But it's hard to think that Bruce potentially could have survived any of those. Spurs away, maybe. But, you know, that's that's the thing, isn't it? Fans back in the ground. I think we'll touch on it later on. But um, it's hard to disagree with a lot of what you say. Um, ben, I'll come to you. You, you may, um, How are you feeling about this season coming up? Mixed, mixed bag. I think I'm, I'm getting more excited the closer it comes. I think the, the prospect of, of being back in the ground on, on Sunday for West Ham's um, going to be the overriding sort of feeling of emotion I'm, I can't wait to get back in the stadium um, obviously I didn't go to the Norwich game of the day but I know you were there and you said the atmosphere was, was pretty pretty decent uh, considering sort of the numbers so um, it'll just be weird to be like in a venue where you've got like tens of thousands of pe- people in there with you it's going to be uh, first time for, for a long long time so that, that'll be class and that that's why we've got the match obviously for the atmosphere and things like that um, in terms of the team I, 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 I kind of agree with Carl. I think um, I expected I expected them to um, have done a lot more um, at this stage, and the fact that we still don't know now if Willock signed or not, um, and, and we're hoping he has. But um, that's kind of the only real business they've, they've done up this stage. It's it's just again, we know we're on the back foot already going into the season, um, and we know we're finished. So I mean, the, the disappointment is we're finished the season so well. Um, you kind of hoped that surely you've got to be a springboard into building on it. Um, obviously, it's taken a while to get the get Willock done, but that was obviously one of the primary um, aims, surely, over the summer was to, to get him back and, and, and um, kind of build on what, what he was for the team and, and how the team was playing. Um, but I just feel like it's kind of stalled in the fact that um, I'm, I'm assuming if he only signs today, whether he's, he's probably not, well, I very much doubt he's going to be available for the West Ham game. But um, yeah, it's kind of underwhelming what they've, they've done off the field. But um, at the same time, like yeah, I'm just just glad to be glad glad to have football back and um, hopefully some some positivity on Sunday. You wonder how that's how long that's going to last. So for me, I'm the same as you, you Norman and, and and Ben. I just can't wait to get back. I mean, I was lucky enough to be at the um, Euro 2020 final, and even though the result didn't go away and we actually performed shite, but we'll not talk about that on this part. <laughs> um, it was just like it was a bit. Not overwhelming, but it was just so bizarre standing where you were completely and like this is the thing about football, isn't it? Like when you're there and you're at the match, you're so completely engrossed by what's going on in front of you. You feel part of it, grief in the ref, 
griefing the coach, whatever you want to do. Whereas watching it on the telly is not the same because you've got stuff going on in the house, you're looking at your phone, you're doing all these things. So that that I am really looking forward to the season because I'm really looking forward to that. Again, I'm really looking forward to being at Villa next week with Norman and with Pete Davey, who does the, the podcast now with us. Um, but like, you know, how long does that last? If, if you get done 3-1 on Sunday to... Uh, <laughs> it to, depends on the performance at the weekend, lads. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> the optimism may go like from yeah no, let's go into the season uh, hope just end the season now but it's, <laughs> it's over um, but it uh, it depends on the first game because like I think it, it got mentioned on this podcast a couple of times last season you get you get kind of punished for optimism it's like oh we can get three points this weekend we get beat oh we've got a chance to this week lad and when uh, Steve Bruce ends up flipping, getting a look out getting a lucky master stroke out of his horse <laughs> uh, two two against Fippen Everton and a prime example of Tottenham last season or name any any like point under Bruce you could put under something under scepticism in terms of look there was somewhere born probably Leicester last season or. Phew, Good performances under Bruce. That's a tough one, isn't it? Yeah, Bournemouth, yeah. Bournemouth the season before. We're, we're averaging one a season so far. <laughs> so, like, you know, the optimism, it it's there a little bit through muscle memory, I suppose. But, like, I, I think I'll feel it more when I'm on the match day, walking to the ground and missing them things that we've missed because of COVID. Like, even just going through the turnstiles and, and seeing a full, well, full-ish stadium um, and, a, and a nice atmosphere, which it was against Norwich. I was there last weekend myself. Um, and it was a decent atmosphere, so hopefully we're it's a it's a good atmosphere, and, and, and we'll go from there. And, and hopefully, by the time next week rolls around, we're we're a lot more optimistic going into Villa next week. Yeah, I think so. And I'll touch on now the um, the actual football rather than just being back at the match. And you're right there to suggest that at the time of talking, we're, we're recording this now a studio on a Thursday night, and, and there's still at least five thousand tickets left. Whether they're the signing of, of Willock, which we hope is going to happen while we're recording or, or, or soon after, we'll, we'll push that to a full house. Um, you know, Beyond that, what have I got to look forward to this season? Well, I think, like like a lot of Newcastle United, not just under Steve Bruce, it's it's who can you keep fit. And I think Willock, Sir Maximan, Wilson, Almiron, like you said, kind of like Norman said, we, ha- we do have, we've got players who... When we play, even Villa next week, or when we play, you know, the likes of Norwich and Brentford and teams like that, or even even Palace, you know, every team down there has got the one or two good players. When we've got everyone fit, there, there aren't many teams that I, I don't think we can give these a game. We can go into this and we can give these a game. But that's caveated by one more play a stupid formation that Bruce says Bruce said when he came he didn't like to play, but now he plays. I mean, don't get us wrong, Willock transforms that. If, if, if you've got, and it'd be interesting to see who gets the nod, on Sunday, but if you've got Shelby, who you assume is always going to start under Bruce uh, Willock, and maybe Almiron, though I don't know, I don't know if he'll go for such an, an attacking, attacking midfield three. He, he's probably going to stick Hayden in there, just be, or Henrik, God forbid, just because because that's Bruce, isn't it? But you, I'm going to walk into that ground thinking we've got a decent defence. I mean, again, Lascelles and Fernandez is an interesting one for me because I think Fernandez is superb in that middle of the the back three, but Lascelles doesn't want to play anywhere else. But we'll go in anyway, in some parts of the pitch, with, with selection dilemmas. Who's going to start on goal? Probably going to be Woodman. But at least at least there's a conversation to be had there. Who's going to start um, left wing back? Is it going to be Lewis or Richie? Who's going to start at centre back? I, I don't know, to be honest with you. Who's going to put his three centre backs? Who's going to start in centre midfield? They're good conversations to be having as a as a team because it's not just like, shit, we've only got 11 players. And if, if any of these 11 players aren't fit, we're fucked. But on the flip side of that, when I talk about those catastrophic performances last season, yeah. it was a range of formations. It was a range of team selections. Callum Wilson was there for some of them. St. Maximum was there for, for other ones. And that's the kind of unknown for this season. You mentioned Graham Jones there and, and the impact that he could have. I wonder, and this is the next thing I want to talk about with you lads, I wonder what the club actually thinks a good season looks like. And just to give you a little bit of... Um, a little bit of information from way back at you know the last time there was a fans forum in 2018 the question was put to Lee Charney um you know does the club just want to survive relegation every season it, you know and he said well of course we don't want to get relegated but we don't expect to be in a relegation battle our um wage bill is not in the bottom three in the league therefore there's no reason for that and you know I agree with that we shouldn't be just looking this to, to not be relegated each season but Norman if I start with you what do you think 
we'll talk about what's a good season to us. Or you can tell us now as well if you want, uh, in a bit maybe. But what do you think, Steve Bruce, Graham Jones, Lee Charlie, Mike Ashley, what do you think they see as a good season for Newcastle United in 21-22? I think that Newcastle United finishing in the positions they have for the last four seasons, playing the style of football that they have, style in air quotes, is the absolute <laughs> pinnacle of what they want. We are close to being Tony Pulis of Stoke City, which was a side that was never in any danger of relegation under Pulis, was very difficult to beat, finished more or less in the same positions for, what, six, seven seasons off the spin under Pulis. Um, didn't spend huge amounts of money. Spent pretty big, but not huge amounts of money. Very similar to us, right? They, were, they wouldn't have had the lowest wage bill in the league. They wouldn't have had, you know, anywhere near the highest. And they were just safe. They were solid. They were making money. And I think... That is pretty much what would be the ideal model for Mike Ashley. So Stoke City never threatened to get into Europe. I think they did once. They got the FA Cup final and they went into Europe. And then I think they had a poor season after that. So again, I don't think there's any necessary aspirations to get into Europe. I league, certainly not into the um, the new UEFA competition where you can get into for finishing seventh or eighth, I think. And you, you start your season quite early, don't you, playing in that particular tournament? Um I don't think that is an ambition, but again, I don't think a relegation battle is an ambition. So finishing anywhere between sort of ninth and fourteenth without without any relegation concerns is ideal. What you could argue, I guess, is last season it got a bit t- kind of close to the bone because we were in a relegation battle more or less until the end of March. Um, I mean, we're in a relegation battle really until the last three games. But in terms of looking like dead certs for relegation, that was after that Brighton shellacking in March, and that I think is too. That's too tight for them. Um, so I that, that that's that's what I believe. I believe the club would like to be basically a, an established ninth to fourteenth Premier League side that doesn't worry about relegation, doesn't have to outlay loads of money, but has to outlay enough and can just can just make money and become a I don't know like kind of should we say like a, a sort of slightly down market term um, high street sports goods shop equivalent? Could we say that? Um, <laughs> what what I would add is referring back to the um, earlier questions quickly. In terms of optimism and looking forward to particular aspects of next season, what I've come to do with Steve Bruce and I started doing this last season was not looking beyond the game that's coming up. So even if we go to Villa next weekend and we've had a terrible performance against West Ham, I'm kind of getting to the stage where I'm, I'm trying to com- completely compartmentalise that game because if you look at Steve Bruce's Newcastle United, he's pulled results out of the bag that none of us expect, have expected. Leicester last season, for example, performances like Man City, even though we lost. 2-0 away to Sheffield United when nobody expected it. So going to Villa, I'm gonna what I'm gonna do next season is I'm just gonna try not to think about the previous game because Steve Bruce's Newcastle United is a very inconsistent animal. Um, but I in terms of what the club wants, that would be my rationale. Personally, I look at that squad, and you've already mentioned the quality in there, and you mentioned Alex that you know a lot of other teams have only got maybe one or two or three quality players. We've we we have got arguably five. I would throw Fernandez in there because I think he's a quality center off as well. So I'd say six. Six who are who are really good players. And I look at Leeds United squad and me you and um, Pete were talking about this at the weekend in the podcast we did. They're not necessarily leagues ahead of us in terms of their, their ability, right? What they've got is they've got brilliant coaching staff. So it makes them perform better. I think we've got that in us. Um, but ultimately, we don't have the coaching set up. And I think Jones, Jones in terms of his ambition, would want to do better than what he can probably achieve at Newcastle over the next two years as a you know, as a coach there, and he might have his eye on, on bigger prizes. There might be a Premier League job that comes up at some point for him. You, you never know. So, um, I what I what I think we can achieve, but what we'll probably will achieve are probably quite far apart. And personally, finishing tenth or eleventh, but having a, an interesting season in terms of the football that we play, creating chances, looking to win games, playing with the fearlessness, fearlessness. Yeah, that that will that'll be it. Um, that will be that will be good good enough for me. But whether that happens or not is well, it's unlikely. I think. What about you, Kyle? What do you, what do you? I mean, I don't know whether you'd agree with Norman or not. But what the club wants? Do you think? Do you think he's right that ninth to fourteenth is their ideal, or do you think they're just happy with what a lot of Newcastle fans say is anything above eighteenth will do? Basically, I think I, I think Norman's bang on, but I, I think he's given them. T- I think he's given them too much credit. To be honest, I think they'd be happy with just seventeenth every season because it means we're a Premier League team the next. And it, it recently it just shows it shows in the signings because. We've only got the same squad that we ended the season with, and if you're not, if you're standing still in football, you're going backwards. Do you know what I mean? And like you can look at the look around the league, and we were the last team to make a signing. We're um, 
even the likes of even the likes of Norwich and stuff have signed multiple players to try and beat the drop like they failed to do a couple of seasons ago. But for me, I, ju- I just want to see a bit of progression because we've kind of stood still since we got promoted. Like even like under Rafa, there was the bigger picture where we we'll talk about the we'll talk about being able to take the club forward, and that's what Rafa wanted to do. But obviously, his contract expired and he left. Since Steve Bruce has came along in this takeover started to come into the fray it's like Newcastle just haven't moved as a football club we've just kind of we've just kind of drifted through the wind and what like I know the club's bare minimum is probably 17th but a good season for them as normal Norm probably correctly said is between 9th and 14th they're not getting in European competition where they would have to buy more players like they had to win 12 13 when we had to, when we were in Europe and and stuff like that but like they're, that's a good season for them, so they don't have to invest any more money. They can feel like, oh, we're doing well, and we don't have to have to spend loads to keep it at that level, kind of thing. But as a fan, I just want to see a bit of progression, just somewhere. <laughs> football, the football under Bruce has been catastrophic. I mean, one good performance per season, one. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It's it's crazy, but just a bit of pro- progression. So they can show the fans that they're trying to go somewhere, whether that's football, making transfer signings, just something, give us something to support. Because since since this takeover thing came into the fray and Steve Bruce being appointed and stuff, there's just no, there's just nothing there that makes you think we're going in this direction. Because you look like the news came out with Leicester maybe today, yesterday. They plan to have a bigger stadium. They've just announced. They will have just opened massive training facilities, like groundbreaking by Munich level stuff, and it's Leicester. Like I don't think any new I don't think any Newcastle fans deluded enough to say we want by Munich level stuff, but like just show progression, show we're going forward, and like show something so the fans so we can sit on podcasts and we can <laughs> and we can and, and we can sit in bars and sit in the stands and talk to each other about something positive rather than oh Steve Bruce isn't going to be that shit today is he oh it's Jeff Hendricks shit though oh, I know but like. Like, just something, like, just something positive because we've got nothing positive. Like, other than Joe Willock signing today, right? What's could you name another positive going into the season? Like, anyone? I'll let Norman come in first because he wanted to come back to you. Only on the um, the club being happy with 17 every season, I completely understand why people think that. What the way I would look at it is. 17th every season, whilst it's, you know, achieving the remit of keeping the club in the Premier League, I don't think it's necessarily in the sense of what the club might want long term. It's because we've seen it with teams before, right? I mean, I, I can remember, obviously, Coventry City for years finishing in the bottom five, you know, for consecutively for, you know, over the course of a few years. And they, they went and, you know, they sank. Sunderland did the same thing. They stunk up the division for years by, you know, escaping... Um, on what four or five occasions finishing in the bottom five and look where they are now. So I think whilst if someone could guarantee them 17th every season ad infinitum, they'd take it. I do think that the aim is probably to establish themselves in that bracket. I think Ashley may look at it and think, well, we need stability in the Premier League. So, you know, finishing between 9th and 14th is ideal. And But what, what I do agree on, Kyle, completely is that, and, and I think I've had this discussion before, is to a certain extent, Bruce finishing 12th and 13th with what he's got is almost dangerous because it, it papers over cracks, right? It's like, oh, well, look, we've finished 10th, 13th, 13th and 12th with relatively minimal investment if you look at other Premier League teams. So why do we need to keep spending more money? That's the danger, right? It's that, it's that lethargy that always creeps in. So us finishing 17th over the course of the next couple of seasons and not really investing would be really dangerous. The aim, I, th- I suppose, ought to be, you know, in their eyes, between 9th and 14th. But that that requires that requires regular investment. And like you say, bring them Willock this summer. We finished 12th last season and we brought in one player to to try and, and or to believe that we can achieve finishing 12th again, playing the way we did, by the way, with that kind of minimal investment, going into the season with basically one centre forward. I know Dwight Gale has had a pre-season behind him, but obviously there are question marks over his long-term fitness and these capacities as a Premier League footballer. So we know where, the, where, where we're being. We know where we've been paid for years in that squad and that still hasn't been addressed. So whilst the club may think, oh, we can finish between 9th and 14th, the reality is that'll be a struggle and that'll be a struggle to maintain for, for a significant amount of time. So yeah, my, my, my fears are we, we, 
we are almost on the verge of becoming a yo-yo club if you think we've been relegated twice under Ashley and next season we're probably all starting despite Willock saying and despite the players you've mentioned as one of the teams that'll be in there might get relegated bracket. Well said and uh, I'm, I'm just having a rise smile at myself at this kind of 9th to, four, to 14th dream is basically what Everton have done over the past five years and spent about a billion quid <laughs> to achieve it <laughs> and we've done it on a shoestring take that Mashiri. Um just just to answer Kyle's question really quickly before I come to Ben, um, you know what's positive, and I, I'm, I'd say I'm going to play devil's advocate a little bit. What I'm going to do is give you the uh, Alex Hurst hasn't beaten the match in 18 months answer and, and desperate for a bit of positivity. And I think I think there's always the fear every season that your best players will go. So I think keeping hold of St Maxi man is 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 important. For, I mean, if, if he went, because if someone come in with a 60 million pound offer, we couldn't turn it down. I wouldn't blame them for taking it. I'd blame them for not reinvesting the money, which they wouldn't probably. So he's still here. I think he's probably still here because he can't. He can't play. I think I had a look for the for the podcast we did a couple of weeks ago, the free pod. I think he's over only ever made nine consecutive Premier League appearances for Newcastle. He's been injured every single time, and that's yeah. you know big clubs aren't going to buy a player for nine games and an injury, nine games, five games and an injury. So maybe it's nothing to do with them that he's still here. Maybe it's more to do with the fact that if he plays 30 Premier League games a season, if he starts 30 Premier League games a season, he'll be away next season. I think it's a positive. I think getting Willock in, I think this is a, this is, I don't, I'm, I'm trying not to give too much credit here because like you, you all correctly say, we're literally just starting this season in as strong a position as we started last season. But who realistically thought we could go out and get him? Because I didn't. I didn't think we'd pay the money. I didn't think would pay the wages, and I didn't think he'd want to come. So I was wrong about those three things, and I think I think that'll give the rest of the squad such a boost. Now you, t- you heard St. Maximan and Talk Sports saying we need to go and sign Joe Willock. I mean, people at the time and I've said this in the pod before. I don't think people really paid that much attention to that. That's a pretty bold thing to go and say on national radio. I need my team to go and sign this player, and if we don't, I will be questioning my future here. So they've gone out and got Willock. I mean, again, you know, touch touch wood. <laughs> because you haven't actually signed him yet, I think when Lee Ryder tweets something saying it's happening, uh, you know, I'm, I'm more—he doesn't tweet rumors, does he, Lee? I'm, I'm more inclined to believe yeah. it's actually happening, and he's supposed to be travelling for the northeast today with terms agreed, and he's supposed to be registered for the match on on Sunday. So I'm I'm positive about that. I'm positive about the fact that we seem to be going into the season with no injuries. Paul Dummett aside, that's what Bruce said last week. Apart from Dummett, every and Dummett and Dubravka, everyone else is fit. That makes a nice change. Um, so there's a couple of positives there, but it's hardly like um, get your season tickets today, is it? From what yeah, I've yeah. just said there, like that we're we've signed we've signed one of England's best young prospects. That that's a fact, uh, you know. And Willock, he, uh, we we have a podcast on on Patreon tomorrow um, with the excellent Andrew from Ars Blog, one of the best Arsenal podcasts and blogs out there, who I spoke to at the end of the season, and he asked me. Um, you know, asked me about Joe Willock and what we thought of him, and we just said we just can't understand. I just couldn't understand why Arsenal, who were a bit shit, let him go because the kid can do everything. Bomb. He can tackle, he can run, he can pass, he can cross, he can shoot, he can score. There isn't anything this kid can't do, and I'm convinced about that. And I think once the signing's announced, it's a massive sign. It's a massive signing. It's probably the biggest signing of the Ashley era. I don't know. I don't know if you lads what, agree or someone wants to come in talk about Willock for a second. Biggest sign of the Ashley era. Wow. Um... That's some, that's a that, that's that's a big compliment. The signing, like it is a good signing. I mean, we need him, but biggest signing. Um, well, the the only person we've spent more money on is Joe Linton, who is shite. <laughs> so you know, obviously, I don't mean financially. I just mean in in terms of a signing that I just, I just didn't think. You tell me if you disagree. If you thought, I just thought there's no chance. There's no chance we buy him. I've. I mean, I thought we'd get him on loan. If I'm honest, yeah. I'm really oh, surprised yeah. it's a permanent deal. Um, I'm happy. With, I'm happy with it. Don't get us wrong. It's it's weird when good things happen, especially <laughs> us at the minute. But yeah, I, I mean, in terms of the biggest signing, I'd probably go with bloody hell. That's uh, do you remember like when he, he did that mad thing and he gave Steve McLaren money? Yeah. Like I, when we went and signed the likes of Wijnaldum and players like that, I think that was like were. That was like a big summer in terms, of like in, uh, in hindsight, I suppose, importance. It doesn't. It's played down given that Steve McLaren was absolutely fucking useless, and we got relegated. But like, in terms of the biggest signing, in fact, I'll have a bit of optimism because I've been Mister <laughs> Negative so far on the podcast. I will say he's the biggest signing so far under the Ash era. Why not? But um, 
Yeah, I, I mean, it's a big saying. He's influential. He was huge when he played for Newcastle last season. But to touch on the point with the, the Arsenal blog, blog like, I, I, I can't believe Arsenal are getting rid of him either. Because, like, you look at their midfield and it's like, I know we can't say much as Newcastle fans because we've got Jeff Hendrick and Flippin' Hayden. <laughs> but, like, Shaka, Gwendouzi, in fact, Gwendouzi doesn't play for them anymore, does he? Um, like, their midfield's shocking. <laughs> and even then, they're going for Odegaard. It, in fact, I, to question our Arsenal, like they're replacing, they're using the Willock money to get Aaron Ramsdale, yeah. and it's like <laughs> I kind of wrap my head round it because they sold a better goalkeeper than Leno to Aston Villa for seventeen million. They're buying a worse goalkeeper than the one they sold for twenty-five million from Bournemouth or Aston Villa. Whether Fitnelli plays, I don't know, but like <laughs> it's crazy. But um. To be fair, Arsenal's loss, Arsenal's stupidity is most certainly Newcastle's gain, for sure. Ben, he's, at, um, he's at Sheffield and he Ramsdale, I think. Ah, oh, Sheffield United, that's the one he played for Bournemouth uh, the season before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, the, the only other one I would say is probably bigger was, was Wilson, obviously. Um, he's a, a forgotten. But you, you're right, Dodgy, it is a, a rare kind of ambitious move in terms of I, I think the biggest thing for me is is the fact that they've, they've got a deal where he's actually coming for the money I mean the thing I thought 20 million in this day and age isn't a great amount and they've, they've spent that amount now a couple of times on on the likes of Almiron Wilson Joel, and obviously double that for Joel Linton or whatever so it wasn't so much the transfer fee, it was more the, the I, I didn't think they'd get the personal terms agreed with him um, so the fact that they've obviously and, and he, he must be on a decent decent wedge coming in that that is a quite a big statement from the club to to kind of go go out and, and agree to, to to whatever terms he's asked for. I mean, obviously we don't know what it is, but I can't imagine he's not going to be coming on peanuts, is he? Especially from Arsenal, I can't imagine he's taking a pay cut from what he was on at Arsenal, and I imagine um, they'll have been paying him a canny penny. So um that that is a, that is a surprise and i agree i was very dubious as to whether that that deal would get done so the fact that they've they've managed to persuade him to come and i don't know if they've had to like twist his arm or what or they've like threatened him or something but um if 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 that deal's going ahead then that that is a, a really really positive move and as you say he's a young um player who's a really bright prospect obviously um i mean there's rumors i don't know whether he was or not but obviously he he kind of almost got into the England conversation at the back end of the season with his form. And um, he, he, he's obviously been a, an established Premier League player as well for a number of years. I mean, it's not as if he's, he's one of these Arsenal youth kids that's never played for Arsenal's first team. He's, he's had, he's, he's played, played a number of games for the first team. And especially when you look at, as, as you say, Kyle, like that Arsenal team, he, he, for me, he would, he would start for them. He would definitely get in that team. So, um, yeah, that that is a big positive to to sort of back and, and get behind. Um, and just, I, th- I think the reason it's so exciting is just he, he allows us to do so many more things. And he's a very versatile player. I mean, I know when Arsenal had him, they I'm pretty sure he started out as a, like a winger, or he played like as a wide player for um, for a period of time, and then obviously he's kind of moved into the centre mid, which gives you the. I mean, there's not very many wingers moving, um, and and to have the um, sort of creativity and discipline and kind of everything you need that a centre mid role, you've got to have a bit of everything about you, and you've got to um, you, you've got to be kind of a, a, a disciplined player as well, but have a bit of a bit something a bit different, I think, to play in the centre than you do potentially as a winger. You kind of just need pace and, and maybe a bit of skill or whatever, uh, preferably a good delivery, or whatever. But I think the fact that he's transitioned to the centre mid shows he's got intelligence, he, he's got um, kind of football IQ that you need to play that position. And we saw last season, um, I never really saw him as a, an out and out goal scorer, but then he, he, he scored what eight goals in the last 10 games or whatever it was, and it was on red hot form. And, um, all the goals were a little bit different. There was a sum where he was coming kind of deep, um, sort of late runs, kind of like Lampard-esque, where he'd, he'd kind of come out of nowhere and, and and sort of be in the right spot. Um, and the biggest thing for me is, is is that we didn't have anybody in in the in the squad that's capable of doing that. He, he's bringing something completely different, which complements all the other players because I think. The, the other midfielders all want to play sort of holding deep. That's kind of what they've been playing for. That's all they've been playing for the um, the, the last few years is sort of maintain their positions. Don't kind of bomb on too much. I mean, <laughs> you don't ever see Shelby sort of 
bombing on too far, but Hayden will do okay, it again. But, <laughs> but like it's 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 great that we've actually got a midfielder that wants to do a bit of everything and, and we'll get in and, and kind of make up the numbers when when we get into um attacking positions and I'm sure that's obviously Max Man's already come out and as you say it publicly stated it. But I'm sure the likes of Wilson will be delighted to, to have him because again he probably played a lot of times up 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 top last year where he felt isolated and at least with someone like Willock in the team, he's going to bomb on and, and either pass him or at least get up and, and potentially link play with him. So um, there's a lot, I think he, he just brings a, a lot of um, kind of positivity to the team and, and options. Like, I mean, you, you mentioned before about um, Graham Jones kind of out coaching the stupidity, but it gives, gives someone like, if, if Jones is as good a coach as we were kind of, um, hoping and have led to believe in the fact that he got called up to the England squad um, for the Euros. Um, it, it just gives him another tool to to use to kind of try and out Fox opposition coaches. So it, it is a really, really positive, positive uh, signing. Hugely positive signing. I see what you're saying, Alex, when you say he's the, maybe the biggest sign of the Ashley area. I think if we look at him from a perspective of potential England caps in the future, I obviously when our Southgate doesn't like coming at the same James as Park, so maybe... Maybe he shot himself in the foot without realizing it, but um, no, he, he has the yeah has the capacity to do it. He's played for England on the twenty uh, 21s, I believe. As Ben says, he has got a bit of a track record in the Premier League. I think he made over seventy appearances for Arsenal. I know quite a lot of them in the Europa League, but um, he's you know I think he, he must have made up to fifty appearances in the Premier League. He is an excellent player. Um, wingers moving into the centre of the pitch. Um, never forget Ryan Fraser, but I don't think he had much say in that, did he? Um, I think for me. Willock is his potential captain material of Newcastle in the future, even at such a young age, because uh, Ben mentioned his IQ there. He comes across as being really, like, really intelligent. Um, somebody who, who kind of exudes that that capacity to to lead. And we saw that, didn't we, when he took the penalty against Man City, right? He just said, I'm taking it, that's it. There's a personality there. So brilliant on that score. What I would counter it with is, I think a lot of us, obviously, Newcastle fans, you know, we are desperate for someone to hang our hats on. We've got players that we can do that with, but ultimately Willock came in last season, completely transformed the season. He was up, he was incredible. However, it was only fourteen games, I believe, and I think maybe four or five of them are from the bench. And also, yeah. you have to look at the fact that nobody else sniffed around in the summer. So I'm not. This isn't me trying to be negative. I'm just trying to kind of, I suppose, contextualize it a bit and, and think. Well, is he the biggest sign we've ever made? You know, twenty five million. No, Villa went out and paid thirty million for a championship midfielder, and you think to yourself, well, from as far as I'm concerned, Willock over Buendia, that would that would be a no brainer. Okay, maybe they're different styles of player, but in terms of Grealish, Villa probably knowing Grealish is leaving. You think, well, actually, Willock gives you that kind of dynamism, doesn't he? That 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 Grealish does. He's obviously not the kind of complete player that Grealish is, but in terms of his his movement, his ability to skin players. And he's been, you know, Grealish has played out wide and he comes in. Will have used to play out wide. He's in the centre now. That will be me only kind of slight negative, but ultimately, as a fan, I'm ridiculously excited because I think he's, um, I think he's, he's a brilliant player. Um, on, in terms of the most impactful sign of the, the Ashley area and how it affected the fan base, Ami Rom was probably the biggest in the sense that we'd waited so long to spend that amount of money to break the transfer record that the excitement whipped up around it was huge. You know, True Faith flew over a Paraguayan journalist for God's sake. Um, that's how excited we were, and also, um, and also his debut against Huddersfield that lifted the whole stadium like nothing I'd seen for a long, long time. I mean, that was an absolutely magical day, and that was down to the fact that we'd gone out and brought in someone who looked like quality. So I think I think Amiron's arrival was was huge. Willock arrived when he has after being on loan is brilliant, but in terms of that snap impact, I think probably Amiron for me and Ashley. And now Almiron's played as a holding midfielder. Who would have thought? Who would have thought that that Huddersfield game that, that he'd be lining up in central midfield alongside like Isaac Hayden and Jeff Hendrick and within three seasons? Certainly not Almiron, I imagine. Um, all right, that's uh, you know all all really really good points there, lads. Um, I'm pleased we got on to Willock because uh, now we will look really stupid if he doesn't sign. <laughs> and we'll always remember the pre-season podcast where we talked about a player who plays for Leicester or something like that. But no, he's going to sign for Newcastle. We're going to be mint. Um, I'll touch on really quickly before we move on, on on what a good season looks like. And there's there's been a lot of conversation about this, obviously, in on social media and in, in the traditional media over the last few days. Steve Bruce, when he came in, um, talked about progress. That's what he talked about, and he has not delivered any, rightly or wrongly. 
whether you think he's done a good job or not, and there are some people out there who, who, who think he has done a good job. Some Newcastle fans, you know, not just talking about Steve McManaman or Simon Jordan. Um, I don't really care. If we fin- you know, if we finish between 11th and 16th, doesn't really matter. As a fan, I don't care. You know, I, I take no pride in finishing 12th last season. You know, when Steve Bruce... <laughs> It's one of my favourite Steve Bruce moments, actually, that post-Fulham interview where he said, it's not an achievement to finish 12th, but it is. It is like you had, you know, like the um, <laughs> like the angel and the well, devil it on... It is for him. Yeah, <laughs> an, an angel and devil on a shoulder, each telling Steve, 12th mint. And that was the devil and the angel saying, come on, Steve, you said you said you'd take one of the top 10 and you haven't, and we're still shite, really. Um, like, so I don't care where we finish. What I want to say is we're getting close to 50 points. Again, you shouldn't really care, but we'll, care, but we've breached 50 points once in the Ashley era. And this will be, what, 15 years this season we'll get on to him. I'm like, actually, we've breached 50 points once. That's pathetic in the yeah. Premier League. That's pathetic. And if you look at the multitude of clubs in that time who've, who've done that and finished above were Stoke, West Brom, Bournemouth, Pallet, all these teams, it's not impossible. If we, because if we get 50 points, we're winning at least two or three more games. And that's a bit of progress. I might feel that difference. Because normally we're, we're winning 10 to 12 games a season, which is only... What a third of your games, uh, or less, <laughs> quarter of your games. Um, so I'd like to see we do that, and I, and I think the cup, the cup competitions are crucial. And like you correctly said before, Kyle, that, that Steve Bruce has had the luckiest ever cup <laughs> runs for any manager in the history. Well, all right, I'm 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 comfortable with that. I want us to have lucky cup runs, but come, you know, if we come up against Alvinar, who the equivalent of Bournemouth reserves will be in the championship this season, um, Forest reserves. He's, he's got to go out and he's got to win those games. He's, he, we cannot have, Norman, you hit the nail on the head before about the inconsistencies and the fact you just you just simply don't know what you're going to get under Bruce's Newcastle side. Yeah. We, 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 cannot, we cannot keep going into big games, and I'm talking about that game, I'm talking about Manchester City at home, when we were capitulated, it was a betrayal, I called it at the time, it was a betrayal, because we didn't even try to win that game. We've got to go into these games with these good players, assuming they're fit, with a plan to win these games, we cannot, and this is this is going to be so fascinating for me. We cannot, particularly if we have a good start, we cannot go in every game being comfortable with thirty-five percent possession and the opposition having fifteen to twenty shots on a goal because that's what it's been the majority of the time under Bruce, and particularly since lockdown and no fans being there. You know, I, I'll remind listeners of the Man United home game last season when we lost four-one, and um, Man United had been beaten six-one the previous week. Luke Shaw, even though he's proved himself to be a very good player was like humiliated by Son, um, like humiliated. And and, and <laughs> Steve Bruce decided to put Joe Linton on, on the right wing to, to to face him. Like key moments like that are the things I'm going to take away from the Bruce era. And people listening might not agree. They might, you know, they might look at the league table. They might think about this and that. I think of those big moments when Newcastle had opportunities. That Man United game was one. We had a good start of the season. We'd beaten Burnley two weeks previous, international break, all the Man United players away, so it's got no time with them, we had two weeks to turn in that performance was an embarrassment, it was a disgrace. I don't want to keep talking about big games and key opportunities for Steve Bruce's Newcastle with words like catastrophic embarrassment and disgrace. That'll be, I don't think we'll get relegated this season. I see a lot of people saying it's Bruce, blah, blah, blah. Well, we've got Willock back, we've got a, a fit squad, we haven't lost anyone, we've got Graham Jones. There's no reason for me to think this squad should be anywhere near the relegation zone. We saw Norwich play last week, me and Kyle, because we were at the match. In Norwich, Kyle, reminded me of, of of Norwich last time in the Premier League. Nice and pretty up until the final third. And then, you reckon? Like, I think they were way worse, mate. Like, there's a fear with Newcastle this season of how bad war and how toxic it is. If I was Norwich, I, I, I wouldn't. If I was a Norwich fan, I wouldn't watch. I, I, would, I, would, I would just I'd take up knitting, I'd take up cricket, I'd take up anything. I wouldn't watch football if I was flipping Norwich. They've got nothing, mate. Like, honestly, like, well, the, the could, thing is, though, my screen grab this, and if you're a Norwich fan, but honestly, you haven't got a hope in hell's chance of staying up. He's a cool town. But then, I, I agree with that. But then, thir- first thirty minutes of that game, you would say, who's the better football team? There's not one person in that stadium would have said Newcastle. Not one person because Norwich were so dominant. Norwich were the only one having shots, creating that's chances. That's the worry, though, isn't it? And that, that, that's what I'm talking about. And that was going to be my point. And it's like we can't keep doing that. We can't keep having shocking hours of games halves of games where your goalkeeper's making four or five world-class saves. I put to the True Faith um, listeners today on Twitter at TFNUFC, asked three questions, where are we going to finish? Um, you know, What does the club consider a, a good season to be? And who will the most important player be? Lots and lots of people just said the goalkeeper. 
whoever's in goal will be our most important player. That's the kind of thing that Steve Bruce has to change this season. If, if fair enough, if he finishes 14th, 15th, 16th, 17th, 12th, and we we'll, and we'll get to 42 to 44, 45 points again, he might turn around and say, listen, I've done a good job again. But for me, he's been here two seasons. Two seasons in the Premier League, by the way, as a Premier League manager, not bad going in terms of the time that you actually get when you're not at one of the top six clubs with the, with the wealth of the world to spend. This is his team. This is his formation. These are his coaches. If we're going to have a good season, we've got we've got to cut out the the the, the horrific performances. The show, you know, I've seen Newcastle play badly. Everyone listening has been in an away end when Newcastle haven't turned up or they've been to a home game where the opposition scored first and we haven't made it. You know, this isn't about playing badly. Newcastle have been so bad under Steve Bruce at certain times. People have rightly questioned if the if if the players even train. That that was a serious conversation last season. <laughs> Is this team even in training? That has to end this season and a good season for me. I don't care where you know they could finish twelfth and get to forty eight points and it would be a better season for me. They could finish thirteen on forty nine points. They could finish ninth on forty two points. And I would still say that's not that's been a poor season because Bruce, under no metric whatsoever, could claim we've taken us forward. And he's a well played bloke. He's got the coaching staff he wants. He's now in, in all three transfer windows. You could argue been handsomely backed by Mike Ashley in Newcastle United standards. And I still think we'll bring in one or two more on loan. This window, and I get it. I, you know, most Premier League clubs paying twenty five million and now else is is, is that enough? Well, well, no, it isn't. But but compared to his predecessors, does he want to look at what Rafa Benitez got, what Alan Pardew got? You know that kind of thing. Bruce has been backed by Ashley and backed by Charlie, and he has got to make it work this season. There cannot be any more of this injury stuff. There cannot be any more of this. Oh, it's very hard to bring players in. He has been backed, Ben. Do you know what it is though? We, we spoke about this last season. It would be nice for Bruce to come out before the season and, and set out what his expectations are or or at least what his, his goals are. And you mentioned earlier, Kyle, about uh, Rafa had always talked talked up and talked about progressing yeah. and stuff like that. We've never, ever heard anything like that out of Bruce's mouth. And um, as I say, it would probably be t- sort of tying tiny a, a noose uh, for himself. But if, if he actually came out and, and just give us an, uh, give us a, a, a position or a, a target or something, I'd, I'd feel a bit, at least would have something, A, to, to, to judge him against and, and B, um, would at least know kind of in, internally what they're, what they're looking for. Because as you say, we're all guessing here and, and Norman saying nine, uh, sort of 14th to, to 9th and, and Carl saying 17th. But like, how do we know what, we don't have a clue what, what internally, what, what, um, what the club are actually thinking and what everyone inside is. And it'd be nice to actually hear for once um, what, what, what they expect. Yeah, I, I, the thing is for me though, I think he did that last season where he was like, we are aiming 10th. Then we went on that shambolic run in December where we won two games in 22 or 23. That's your start, Alex, I think. Mm-hmm. But um, we went on this dismal run. We didn't score a goal in open play in 10 games. And Steve Bruce backtracked and he started chatting utter waffle in the in press conference. I'm a bang average manager. Um, we're doing the best we can. We've got injuries. We've got this. We've got yada, yada, yada. But... The thing is with Bruce, there's no ambition there at all. It's just stagnant. There's no expectation. He's, his expectation is to merely exist in the Premier League. That's it. To exist as a Premier League manager, to exist as a Premier League club, and to just keep the ball rolling. That's Steve Bruce. And if Steve Bruce does that because of his limitations of a, being a bang average manager, the, Steve Bruce in his head is doing a fantastic job because anywhere he's been... Look up and down the years, Sunderland, average, Villa, backwards. Like Anywhere he's been, Sheffield Wednesday, he didn't have enough time before he just jumped ship straight away. But like anywhere Steve Bruce has been, he's either took them backwards or he's kept them stood still. So that to him is a good job if he keeps it standing still because usually the wheels fall off and he's gone by, by now in most of the jobs he's been in in his career. So just to be here, be at Newcastle into his third season, that to him is like... Champions League football that he's, he's he's made it he's done it he's he's made the big time he's in his third season we haven't went anywhere but he's still here so it's like yeah well done <laughs> but that's where that's where the fans and him will never agree because like I say is his his philosophy is just to exist ours is to press on and we had that we had that under Rafa and I think that's why many fans appreciated what Rafa was trying to do he was saying look we need we need to take the club forward and not he, like I remember that. Leicester game the Friday night he had that interview where he was saying I don't need 200 million if we can compete we can do this we can do things right we can compete for maybe maybe 7th to 10th 
and like that's that's a huge that's that's a huge thing because we weren't used to like ambitions but we were setting targets as, as as ben stated and and that vision of something could happen but under bruce it's like if he says 10th but we're going a bad run he'll say oh we're going to try and stay up and, and he'll backtrack just to suit his suit, suit his little agenda or, suit, or just try and limit what he can do because that's all he's used to limitation and and no expectation to drive on Bruce will either keep you where you are or he'll take you backwards and Bruce has never changed and he never will change sadly uh, that's why for me under this this manager will never truly push forward and it's not all him Mike Ashley as well but like doesn't matter who the owner is like Bruce has probably been backed more by Mike Ashley than any other manager it's fair to say but Bruce will never ever take you forward that's for certain I mean pretty much agree with most of what Kyle said there I think with Bruce and Ben I understand you when you see you want him to come out and maybe lay his cards on the table and give us something to something tangible to grasp right so that we can really judge him by I guess but ultimately he probably I mean he is aware of his limitations as a manager and if he come out and said what is more or less the truth in terms of the club achieve the remit. And what's the remit? The remit is to stay in the Premier League, right? Now, if he comes out and actually directly says that, then I guess the fan base is going to be slightly irritated and he's going to get a lot of grief for it, right? Um, if he comes out and says, I want me to finish top 10, I want me to, that's nice to say that, rather than saying, I believe we can challenge for the top 10, because obviously when we're clearly know any other top 10, then again, he's kind of made a rod for his back. Again, he's criticised, what are you coming out and saying that for? And if he says, I want me to finish, you know, um, I want me to finish 17th, but I'd be, great, I'd be great if I finish as high as 14th. It's like, mate, you're not showing enough ambition. So he just, <laughs> like, this is me feeling sorry for him, but the bloke cannot win by coming out and saying anything, right? And I guess Kyle's right when he says, like, you know, we'll stand still or go backwards under Bruce, we will, unfortunately. And, and what we want is to see signs of progress. I think under Rafa, we had a manager in charge who spoke about progress, but he was never going to make any as long as he was working under Steve, uh, under Mike Ashley, Rafa under Steve Bruce, that'd be something. Um, yeah, under Mike Ashley, this is the issue, right? No, no matter who's in charge, and no matter who's in charge, including Rafa Benitez, yeah, even if they come out and say, I want to progress this club, they're not allowed to. They're just not allowed to because of Mike Ashley. So Steve Bruce, I've said this before, he is, he's a symptom, he's not the cause, right? And, and next season, we're not going to show signs of progress under Bruce. We're going to have a more or less probably a similar season as we had the last one, the one before, the one before, and the one before. As I say, for me, whilst Mike Ash is in charge, whilst we've got this lack of ambition other than finishing, you know, like peak Stoke 2009, I'm going to try and hang my hat on on individual performances of players because we've got some good ones and of matches where we get those mad, mad results that um, we don't expect. So that, that's what I'm looking forward to, that and also spending time with me mates and chatting about football and probably drinking far too much for a man of my age um, before matches. Don't ask us that first question again, Dodsy. Me enthusiasm has been absolutely destroyed by that. Uh... <laughs> well, well, I was just going to say quickly, by the way, you know, you talk about, Ben, you mentioned Bruce should come out and say something. I've never, ever heard him give a positive answer to any question but literally, I imagine his wife was like, "Do you think you could help?" Like custard. Yeah, yeah. Did, yeah. I suppose but if his wife's like, "Can you help with the dishes?" And I'd be like, oh, be di- it, "It will be difficult. It'll be difficult." We all know. We, we all know it's difficult. That that's his favorite thing. Well, we all know it's difficult. It's like you're saying back to the interviewer, "What are you asking me for?" We all know it's difficult to sign a footballer in, the, in this day and age. In the Premier, can you finish higher than last season? Well, it'll be difficult. Like he love, he loves difficulty. But anyway, um, I think I, I, we'll wrap. We'll start wrapping this show up, lads, because we've nearly done an hour. There's, there's much more to say. But Norman, just to come back at you slightly there, or at least pose this to you, and and and, 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 and all of you, because we're saying we're saying these things here about limitations, about you know, it's kind of absolutely you've nailed it about Bruce's whole career as a manager, even Birmingham City and Hull. He found them where he took, you know what I mean? The two jobs that he's probably most renowned for, he, he found them where he took them. I suppose he, he, he resigns after taking both of them back into the Premier League. And, and you could argue, well, that wasn't a great thing to do because he couldn't actually say, I've left this club in a better position. The same with Wigan, he, you know, he left Wigan as a kind of mid-table Premier League club, which he almost inherited. There had been that in, in Flirtwood relegation. But do you not think, Norman, I'll start with you and then, then come to Kyle and, and, and Ben, I've got a different question for you after that, but... Do you not think there's anything to be said for last season's form? 
because we are going into this new season as one of the form times sides in the Premier League, is that just completely irrelevant to what we're going to see? Because there are some people out there who might say, hang on, lads, we're here with this doom and gloom. We've just brought Willock back. We didn't have um, Wilson at the end of last season. Yet we're going to go into this season and, 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 and there's nothing stopping where playing like we did at the end of last season, picking up some of those results, notably the football. It wasn't a result of performance against Man City. People were very positive by the Leicester win, all of that kind of stuff. Norman, you first, mate. How, how do you see that, that argument? Ask yourself this, mate. Did Sunderland, after spending five seasons picking up outrageous amounts of points between March and the end of it, start the following season on fire? They didn't, because what they did was they didn't go out and invest. They didn't learn from the previous season's mistakes. And they just rinsed and repeated. And I think, look... Do I believe we are capable of starting the season well? Yes, but do I think last season's end of season form has any relevance on this season, this season start at all? Not, not whatsoever. Um, I think we picked up form toward the end of last season when we had to pick up form because if we didn't, we're getting relegated. As I say, Sunderland for, for years did exactly the same thing. Now I finished as high as 12th, admittedly, but it was a similar kind of pattern. You know, six or seven or eight games at the end of the season where the pulled points from their arse that you never expected. Um so, no, I don't think it has any has any bearing. That's not me saying I don't think we can have a good start of the season. I think we can, but last season it's got to be boxed off and put in, in into what it is. Um, and I, I hope I'm completely wrong and we end up, you know, playing brilliantly against the against teams like Man City. We're back at Leeds, you know, we'll get like, I don't know, 12 points out of our first five games. We'll, we'll repeat last season's last eight games where we basically would finish the season on 72 points, scoring 76 goals. That would be nice, but um, I, I cannot see happening, unfortunately. For me, it's. It, I think Norman touched on it brilliantly earlier. Like you cannot look too far ahead with Steve Bruce. Like with that inconsistent, the one thing we're consistent under Steve Bruce is being inconsistent. Like we're just that team. You cannot look too far into the future and think, oh, we'll make be, be able to get three points here and a couple of points there, um, in those couple of games or whatever it may be. You you cannot look too far ahead. It's a, literally on a game to game basis with Steve Bruce. Because one day Newcastle can turn up and be nothing short of absolutely embarrassing. And then there's just one day where you pull it out of his arse and you just don't know what, which way to take it. I mean, we're into his third season now, sadly. But when his third season, and I still don't know which, which way to gauge him, like which type of games are we going to be good in or bad. Like, I, I just don't know which way to take him. It's like going into the start of the season, I mean, under Bruce, we've started seasons on a points kind of way well. So there's optimism there that we've started seasons well. It's just we lose traction because when when the luck runs out, the quality of management and game control and quality of managing injuries, especially under Bruce in particular, is dreadful. So we're, we're kind of getting to the middle of the season where we're absolutely shocking. And then it's a case of whether we need to up a game in the last couple of games or we're, we're safe enough to not be in trouble. So it's like, it for me... It, 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 it's hard. I don't think form from last season comes into it at all, um, especially under Bruce. But yeah, I'd like it to be. I'd like to say, oh well, like less, less end of the season. Well, when they stayed up and then they went on to win the league the next season, it is a thing, but not under Steve Bruce. <laughs> well said. We'll move to the end of the show. I think we had a couple more questions planned, but what we're looking forward to, what weren't, we've, we've kind of covered all of that. I feel in the general conversation, which is uh, tends to be how it goes anyway. Ben, I'm going to kick off with you, mate. Where do you think Newcastle will finish and why? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think I said on the prediction show yesterday, I, I expect us to be about 14th, 15th. Um, as I say, I think there's a few teams that are, are worse than us, unbelievably, in the league. But um, I, I still think it's not enough investment that, that's coming to the team. So um, I'm predicting another kind of average season. I think it'll be difficult for, for long stretches. Um, but... Um, and, and just as, as Carl kind of was saying there, just the inconsistency. There's nothing you can hang your hat on on, on Bruce to say. It's not like before we've got under Rafa we had, we were great defensively, like it revolutionised kind of the, the, the sort of philosophy of the team. And, and we were solid at the back and kind of workmen like maybe going a bit more forward. Obviously, Bruce came in and talked about being more, playing more front foot football, more tackle football and that sort of stuff. We haven't really seen any, any really any um, sort of fruits of that labour yet. So, um, it's it's really difficult to kind of say where we're where we're going to kind of hurt teams or anything like that. But um, I, I still think we've got enough in the first team to to be able to um, get at least sort of fourteenth, fifteenth. Well, I think well, was it thirteenth on forty four, twelfth on forty five. So why not eleventh on forty uh, forty six? No, I think um, I'm going to say 
I'm going to say 13th on points in the mid-40s range, i.e. what we've done for the last four seasons. I do think that actually that is very much dependent on keeping at least three of what key players fit. On the pitch, each game we need to probably have three of those key players in order for it to, to not be in a relegation battle. That's the thing. If we finish 13th on points in the mid-40s and there hasn't been a battle, that, to a certain extent might look like some form of progress, but we might get there, as I say, like we did last season. So, same old, same old. I, I'm going to try and be the optimist, right? I'm going to see he's going to find... <laughs> Where's that come from? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. It's just... It's just a, it must be, it must be bad wind or something, and I've just smiled, but like... No, I, I'll be the optimist. I'll see he's, Steve Bruce is going to finally do something. Uh, he's going to finally match the mighty Rafa and go on 46 points. After spending 200 million, but <laughs> he's going to match the mighty Rafa... Um, and I'm sure he'll be buzzing about it in his press conferences. But uh, I, I, I think if we can keep players fit, I think Graham Jones can take with that extra mile because I think tactically, you, you can see the differences between before and after he came in. It's clear as day that there's definitely something going on more tactically. We look a lot more... The, 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 two, the, the lines between like defence and midfield don't look completely uncoordinated and made up as we go along type thing. There's kind of structure there. We look like we know when to move forward, know when to press, know when not to press. Like little things when you watch the two differences. But one thing Steve Bruce won't get away with this season is two games, two wins in 24, 20, 23 games. He won't get away with that again and he won't get away with like being the way he was in press conferences after defeats in particular. He'll not get away with that because this season you've got a, you've got, you've got, fans on your back so I'm ho- I'll am i be the optimist and I'll say 46 points and I think that'll put we between 11th and 13th um, and hopefully that's a good season under Jones under Bruce but like he cannot repeat the same mistakes as last season because if he does it will it, it'll sadly as I say at the top of the podcast it'll be a, it'll be a toxic environment to be a fan in because uh, fans will be against each other Obviously, you'll have talk sport stirring the pot like they always do. Oh, he's doing a great job. He's a really nice man. And oh, he's got experience in all this, whatever the chat on, on a daily basis on that radio show. But like, for me, it's it's just a case of can we use the players that we've got, keep them fit. And if we can't keep them fit, which under Steve Bruce is unlikely given, like the a couple of weeks ago after a preseason friendly, he's like, "Oh, well, he's had an injury, didn't play today." But if it was a league game, he would have started. Yeah, I've never known. I've never known that in my life. Like, if he's injured, he's injured. It doesn't matter what game it is. But that gives you a mentality of how we've had so many injuries over the last couple of years. Now you know why. Because he's like, "Oh, well, he just hire him in." But if we can keep players fit, keep with quality players because they've got good chemistry between them. Willick, Maxi, Wilson, they've got good chemistry. Even phrase that to some some degree if the if he's playing on a wing and not midfield. But anyway, like we've got quality players there. A lot of that team's played together for a long time, so there's a bit of chemistry. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be optimistic and say 46 points. Oh, that a dream. Um, <laughs> it's Yeah, yeah. The, by the way, the, the, the True Faith uh, Twitter feed today and all those people who replied, I think there's over 100 in the end, so thank you to the people who helped us. Average position of 14th they had. Um, a lot of people basically had lower than that, but said if we sign Willock, which again we're going to assume we we'll have, um, it gives us an average of fourteenth. I'm going to probably echo what you a lot of what you said, Kyle. I think I think we'll finish eleventh. I think Bruce will uh, start a petition to have a statue made of himself based on that <laughs> achievement. Um, I think I think what you what you hit on the head so well there was that a lot of this team have played together for so long, and it's almost like. Nearly a decade, half of them. Yeah, yeah, and and, and everyone knows everyone's game. Um, that that should help quite a lot. And uh, I feel like you know, you've all said it. Injuries can you keep players fit? If we can keep players fit, if 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 Graham Jones can get we're pressing more, if we can get a bit higher up the pitch, the presence of fans should mean. And again, an example: John Joe Shelby came on against Norwich, and I thought had a really decent game and picked the ball up and got his head up. And found some key passes. There was one just before the first goal, I think, or one of the goals where he played a brilliant crossfield diagonal pass, but through yeah. not, not over the midfield, through their midfield to St. Maximan. I think if that's behind closed doors, he looks sideways, he looks backwards, he tosses it off, basically. I think you'll see that effect of fans. And I don't want to sound like Steve Bruce here because he made the excuse we were missing fans more than most, which was just one of his many excuses. 
I do think that for all of the reasons you said, Kyle, that you the, the team and the manager won't be able to get away with a lot of the, the things that caused it to be so bad over the last 18 months. So I'll say, I'll say we'll get to, to nearly 50 points and that, that would represent some sort of progress. Two people today on the... Um, I haven't got my phone in front of me, unfortunately. I would have given them a credit. Two people said what represents a good season. <laughs> they said Steve Bruce not being in charge at the end of it. <laughs> um, I also want to say, I don't know whether Luke Edwards is going to listen to the show, but the amount of times Rafa Benitez's name has been mentioned, he would be furious. <laughs> I was still mentioning. Um, but anyway, we've, we've done over an hour there, lads. Thank you so much to, to you three for joining me. Um, can't wait for the season to get underway on Sunday. We'll, of course, have... The post-match podcast after every game this season. We'll have loads on Patreon as well. We'll have lots on the True Faith YouTube channel, including fan cans from uh, new True Faith signing Emil Franchi, who's who's uh, going to be outside St. James's Park. Most home games looking for, for your reaction uh, outside of the nine bar in the back of the Gallagher end. Um, thank you, everyone, for taking part. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll speak to you all again very soon. How are the lads? Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.